This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders. You're accepting of whatever comes your way. You're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Wellbeing. It's great to have you with us this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Sue here. Claire's here. Hi. And we are all set to talk wellbeing. We have a fantastic guest with us today, Les Roberts. Say hello, Les. Hi, everyone. We'll be chatting with Les in this first hour. And in our second hour, we'll be delving even further into the world of wellbeing as we take a closer look at Global Wellness Day. And as usual, we also have some fabulous song choices selected by our guest and each of us. So remember, you can get in touch with us through email. It's studio at hcr923fm.com or you can text us on 60066. Make sure that you start your message with HCR. And you can, of course, also connect with us through our own Facebook page, which is at 3B Wellbeing. We'd love you to drop us a line, ask us a question. Just let us know what you think. We would really love to hear from you today. So without further ado, let's get started. Um, Today's guest is a clinical hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner who runs a hypnotherapy and wellbeing centre in St Helens. As a former NHS employee working in an integrated therapy team, she has seen firsthand how early intervention is paramount and knows just how effective wellbeing classes and workshops can be for both adults and children who are struggling with mental health issues. Welcome to the show, Les Roberts. It is really good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. So, Les, first of all, I'm just going to dive right in, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so great to see how you are highlighting the importance of early intervention in supporting people's well-being. And this is something that Claire and I feel really strongly about, isn't it, Claire? Yeah, definitely. You know, we feel passionately that there isn't enough emphasis on prevention, and giving people the tools to develop awareness and to support themselves at those early stages. But what's interesting about the work that you're doing, I think, is that you're taking this kind of concept a stage further in a way because you do a lot of work with children and you actually specialise in children's mental health. So in terms of early intervention and prevention, you're really getting in there at the start, aren't you? Yeah, I always find that it's so much easier to get in there right at the beginning rather than let them, the children, form not very nice habits or negative beliefs with themselves. And then it's easier to fix a child, in my belief, than 
fix an adult in later life. Oh, that's yeah really interesting it's it is because you know the more that we kind of delve into this and we start to learn about ourselves so much of the habits and programming and ways of behaving and our responses and reactions when we dig into it a lot of them really do come from our formative years don't they Mm, definitely can I ask you how is it that you came to work specifically with children what sort of brought that about for you Um, I started off in the NHS as a therapy assistant working across two disciplines, physio and OT. And as therapy assistants, we had to do rotations into like musculoskeletal, uh, paediatrics, orthopaedics. And my second rotation was into paediatrics, thinking I'll just get it over and done with. And then six months there and then I'll leave. I can go on to, you know, do something else. And I just fell in love with working with the children. So I worked across special schools, mainstream schools, um, in the community, uh, clinics. And I just fell in love with the whole thing, working with children. Wow. So you now run your own business. You you actually run a community interest company. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about about what it is that you do now? Yeah, uh, the reason why I run a community interest company is I started off on my own and I was very interested in running classes and workshops for children and adults, uh, predominantly children. But when you're self-employed and you've got just a one-man band, you're, you're not really open to offers for funding. So I decided to become a community interest company, which gives me access to funding from a wide variety of places like, um, you know, the lottery, some investors, and it gives me an opportunity to sort of uh, coordinate classes and workshops for the children. Sounds fantastic, doesn't it, Claire? It really does. I think the, the fact that you're working with them at such a young age and installing in them, really, you know, the the stuff that helps them to, you know, keep going to work on themselves that to actually put well-being into the into their frame of concept of like this is part of like how I live as well I think is really key I love that fact but I also think that the fact that you're a community interest company it means you're doing work out there in the community you're supporting people who actually otherwise may not be able to do it because people can't afford to do this especially you know with the cost of living rise and everything else if you've got children it must be such you know a different to be able to like know that you can still help them even if they've not got the money to do that that anybody can still go and get that support oh definitely and the difference in the children that attend the classes are just um it's priceless, absolutely priceless. If a child comes in and a child is struggling with their emotions, don't uh, understand how their feelings and emotions work. And I just teach them that it's normal to feel that way. It's just not normal to stay in that way if you've got, you know, like negative feelings like anger and, um, you know, jealousy and everything. But also teach them skills that they can take into adulthood. So, you know, it works and... I absolutely adore it. I think you can see with my face, actually, can't you? Yeah, it absolutely comes over that you're just really excited when you talk about it. Your whole face lights up. (laughs) You just seem really passionate about it. 
Were you going to say something then, Claire? It was just that that thing that you said about emotions, and I think this is something we talk a lot about, and me and Sue are really big on, owning emotions. And so many people get told, you know, oh, don't be emotional, don't be, you know, you shouldn't be showing that, it's not right. And it is, we've said it before, that's usually because it's the it's the recipient can't deal with it they don't know what to do with it but actually showing your emotion is really healthy it it is a healthy way it's about understanding where that emotion comes from so the fact that you are teaching this to children to go it, it's okay to be sensitive it's okay to have emotions and a, a wide variety like you've said even anger because it's telling us something we we talked about this last week didn't we yeah that our emotions are giving us this information and lots of this information can really help us so maybe don't act from anger but what is it telling me is it telling me that actually this person's dealing with me in a way that I'm not prepared to put up with and then how do you deal with that from there so for me it's just I love that fact that you're already dealing with that because for me what you're going to be doing is bringing you know who's going to be running our country in years' time, they're going to be so much more enlightened. And actually, maybe we'll have communities that can share emotions in a really healthy way. Do you remember the, the, there was a saying years and years ago, big girls don't cry? Mm. Yeah. And I don't believe that. I do believe that it's healthy to cry. It's healthy to get angry. It's not healthy to remain angry. Yeah. But it's also healthy to understand that, yes, I'm feeling angry at this time. That's exactly what you said. I'm feeling angry at this time. What can I do about it and what I can't do about it? And that's the difference. Yeah, I think it's we often talk about, um, you know, not, as Claire said, not acting from the emotion, but kind of understanding what's happening with yourself and then almost having that objectivity about it. Don't you kind of separate yourself so you're not saying I am this. It's kind of this is this is how I'm feeling right now, which just in the language it just dis- makes that distinction. Um, what I'm interested in is, you know, when you're working with children and young people, how receptive they are to some of the concepts that we're talking about here. Obviously, you'll explain it in terms that are clear for them to understand. But I suppose it's kind of like, do they get it? You know, and I'm imagining young minds are more, you know, the more impressionable, the more able to take on sort of... If you think about a child's mind, it's like a massive sponge, isn't it? It's taken on all those behaviours, learnt behaviours, taken on all those beliefs and everything. So if I can teach a child that it's okay to be angry, but the longer you stay angry, the the more uh, you could get yourself in trouble. You have to pay the consequences, basically. But also to turn it round, if it's something out of their control, there's nothing they can do about it to move on distract yourself with different things the changes in the children are just outstanding um, and that's not just from me that's from parents as well um, children will come in and their eyes are wide open you know like rabbits in the headlights they don't understand what's going on and I just teach them at their pace I talk to them we, I have an open forum in my classes where they can join at their own pace so if we've got somebody who's quite shy you know, they will join in at their own pace. But by the end of the six weeks, which that's what my classes are, they're all friends. They all help each other. It's amazing. Typically, I had a 16-year-old and a four-year-old, but a four-year-old who was functioning quite mature for his age. And 
the 16-year-old came in all skulky, you know, had face down, hood up, and the four-year-old was just looking in bewilderment at this, you know, 16-year-old. And I just made a joke and I said, is it raining in here? You know, like, take your, take your hood off. And he reluctantly did. But by the end of the six weeks, that four-year-old and 16-year-old had forged this relationship where they both saved each other's seats so they were next to oh, each other. So they became so best lovely. buddies. It was amazing. Oh, I love that. It's interesting, actually, because you talk there about that sort of difference in age and and although you were saying the younger one was quite mature, often in young people's lives, they don't get to mix with different age groups, do they? Because if you think about the school environment, it's very geared towards, you know, you just happen to mix with these people who happen to have birthdays within a certain, you know, kind of point in the year. And you don't really, unless you have activities outside of, of school or, you know, family members, you don't really have that chance to sort of see things through other young people's eyes in that way, do you? So it sounds like a fantastic uh, vehicle for that. It is, but it was done by trial and error, really, because <laughs> what I did at first is I put them in age-appropriate classes, okay. and it didn't work. Ah. It didn't work at all because they were all the same age. Mm. And I thought, well, they need to see that when you get older, it doesn't matter whether you're 15, 16, or 8 or 9. If you're having problems, then if you can be open and honest and, and want to change then you can. So I just do mixed classes now. I don't ask any. The only reason why I ask their ages is to make sure that they're age appropriate. Yeah, of course. Otherwise, no. Because when they go out into the big bad world, they're going to meet different people, different ages, aren't they? They really are. I love the fact that actually what you've done is gone oh, actually, this isn't work. let's change it. And that's what it's about, isn't it? And that seems to be what you're saying about when you're working with these children as well. You're going at it from, from where they are. It's not your agenda, it's theirs. They're very much leading that. And I think that's really key, isn't it? Yeah, I have, um, have rules and, you know, sort of a, f- a few housekeeping things that I always say to them. And I tell them all at the beginning, this is an open forum to be as honest as you want. But if you don't want to talk about the reason why you're here, then that's absolutely fine. We all know the reason why we're all here. Hmm. And most of the time, they'll have a few weeks where they don't talk and then the next thing they're all talking, you know, amongst themselves. So we've had a few slip-ups, but... That's to be expected. Yeah, definitely. It's what I'd really like to know. Something we do ask. We use this word mental well-being. Well, we use this word well-being, you know, and it, it conjures up so many different things for so many people. You're not sure like what is the definition really. So mental well-being, that's what we do here at 3B. And it's what you're doing with these children. What I'd love to know is, so what's your definition if you like of mental well-being but also how do you explain that to the younger ones i think in my opinion and my belief of mental well-being is literally being able to manage any situation doesn't matter whether it's a negative situation or a positive situation but being able to ride those waves it's a roller life's a roller coaster isn't it ronan keating said that didn't he (laughs) however we have to ride those waves we have to go through the ups and downs and it's teaching children that it's okay to you know to do this but finding their solutions to get through it in their own way, at their own pace, and, it, you know, in their own time. So do they get that? When you talk to them about that, do they get 
that that's what it means. Yeah, they do, because I, I, like you said, I go down to their level and I think, what would an eight-year-old, what would a nine-year-old think about anger? How would they feel about anger? And we do a lot of visual things, but we do a lot of crafts as well. So they're drawing, they're making things, they're making things like worry bags so they can put all the worries in, they're making all kinds of things. So it's all of these things to get them to understand at their pace that it's all right to feel like that. But here's a few solutions that if you want to use them, you can use them. If you, if you don't, then there's other things. Um, like if if they're in here in the studio now and somebody had, you know, a, a little bit of um, an issue, then I'd say, well, how many squares are on the wall? Just as a distraction. It's happened quite a while to count all these squares, <laughs> wouldn't it? It really um, would, yeah. <laughs> but it's about being able to manage that. So when they're in the, in the classroom or in the situation where they can't manage, being able to find a way that they can move themselves out of that situation so that they can calm down. I love that. I mean, it's just, it's teaching them that they have the resources within them from such a young age. And actually, if they start to build that, we very often get clients who are, I, I know what to do outside of the situation, but if I'm in that situation, like somebody triggers me, somebody presses on my buttons or whatever it happens to be, I can't deal with it. I totally get that, you know, there's people who push my buttons and it, it, it is difficult to try and deal with it in that situation. And all the things that you practice, you know, if you don't practice them enough, you don't get them in the muscle, then that doesn't help either. But actually, from what you're saying is you've got that resource from a young age that they're not going to have that problem. They're going to be able to deal with anybody who pushes their buttons later in life because they've been practicing it for so long. I love this worry bag thing. I oh, do. I amazing. want one. I know. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. It's, it's a tangible thing for yeah. children as well, isn't it? So it's like literally let's stuff that in there. And that, yeah, I love that. It's great. So it's a, just a little tiny little bag. Yeah. Literally, tiny little bag. Little drawstring bag. They get to decorate the front so they can put the name on it, they can put whatever they want on it. And then I give them little slips of paper which they write in their, their own handwriting, their worries, Fold them up, pop them in, pull the string again. Fab. Love it. Just like magic. <laughs> now, we've, so we've talked a lot there about your, your work with, with children and young people, but you do also work with adults as well. I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you run classes for adults or is that more like on a one-to-one basis? More one-to-one at the moment, but I do run ladies' wellbeing classes mm-hmm. um, where ladies will come when they want to make changes in their life you know when they've been just plodding along at a, you know a pace where they're not quite happy and they want to make those changes so they want to build confidence self-esteem self-belief I do run those I haven't run them for a while though because I've just been so busy with the children they sound fantastic they do they really yeah. do so Les just all the work you're doing just sounds it sounds vital you know like I think we're we're sort of in, in times where what we're realising is that paying attention to this stuff and giving credence and focus to this and bringing well-being into the arena, is it's it's not a nice to-do, is it? It's a necessity. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. I think they should teach it at school myself. Mm. I think they should bring this... Um, they talk about uh, thinking positive uh, um, and things like that at school, but they don't actually do anything like this at school. 
Have you actually worked with schools at I all? Have, I've you have worked in one school um, where I was helping children overcome the emotions, help them not overcome, but help them to manage yeah. emotions a lot better. And I do actually have a lot to do with the schools because I run the hack provision over the summer, Easter and Christmas for our local council, which is holidays, activities and food, um, where the children will come into me and they will spend up to four weeks coming in every day and doing the same, you know, sort of activities. But every activity has got, like, there's a link to the emotions and, and the feelings. Oh, I really like the sound of that because it's sort of... You're doing it and, you know, they're learning about it, but it's not in a kind of labelling sort of way. It's just part and parcel of... It's an activity that we're doing over the summer, so, you know, and we happen to be learning about this stuff. So you're, you're making it part of that everyday experience for them. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, take, for instance, I, I mentioned the worry bags again. The worry bags were, were done through an activity where we were talking about um, what happens when we, we overthink things. And the actual subject was OCD. And we were talking about how we can overthink things so much that it becomes an issue to us. You know, and we talked about how many, you know, has anybody ever thought I need to do so many steps to get out the house or I need to shut the door so many times and quite a lot of them said yeah but that was their coping strategy at that time yeah I just love kind of the work that you're doing it just like I say it sounds so vital I, I agree with you I think it should there should be more emphasis on it in school not as a subject but just as part and parcel of how they learn about themselves how people interact because um, they do talk a lot about well-being in school but it feels like I mean this is not to be critical of, of teachers I know they do an amazing job they do the best they can with what they've got to work with um, but it just feel a bit like a checkbox kind of exercise a lot of the stuff that goes on doesn't it definitely but it, it's it's so simple to do it's so simple to implement it into every day and yeah teachers do an absolutely fantastic job and they have got lots and lots of things to do they're not just teachers now they're, they're everything aren't they they are yeah. however it's it's the use of language, changing your language, changes a child's perception so, so, so much. Yeah, I think we're big advocates of that here at 3B, aren't we, Claire? And I think certainly in the work that we do with adults, um, words and language and the impression and the impact that that's had on people, you can carry that with you throughout your life, can't you? And then the words can become a trigger. You know, they can become a deep-seated thing within us so yeah you're absolutely right I think so it's there's an education here for all of us I think isn't there not just for children and young people but actually for parents for family members for all of us within society to sort of think about how we perhaps communicate with not just with one another but with with, with our youngsters yeah it's it, it's very very difficult when you're a busy working mum I've been there myself you're a busy working mum you've got to get the, the children to school before you set off to work so I remember my children laughing, my children are growing up now, but laughing at me as I got older saying, all we heard from your mum was like, it's 10 to 8, it's 5 to 8, you know, we've got to leave the building, we've got to get in, get in the car and everything and drop you off at school, blah, blah, blah. Now they, they make a joke of it, but they said, we understand, we understand how hard it was, how difficult it was to get us, all three of us, you know, to get to school on time so you could go off to work. Mm. But... If you think about some parents who 
don't understand or some children that don't understand the necessity to get out and all they're hearing is come on you know hurry up hurry up and we can lose our tempers we're human we do lose our tempers uh, yeah. but the children i've seen it i've witnessed it myself children being shouted at all the way to school then they get to school and they've got to sit down and be quiet and conform and all these emotions are just raging everywhere whereas if we could teach the parents to teach the children, you know, it'd be so much easier. And they're simple. Some of some of them are simple words, aren't they, to you? They really are. And I think a lot of the changes and things that you're talking about and the exercises, they're things that can be done as a family, aren't they? They're not just, um, you know, things just for as, as a one-off. Um, so this is Let's Talk Wellbeing, and we are chatting with Les Roberts um, of Les Roberts Hypnotherapy. .co.uk. That is Leslie's website if you want to look her up. You're listening to Let's Talk Wellbeing with Claire and Sue. We'll be back in a moment. Um, we're just experiencing a little technical difficulty. I think we actually have a phone call coming in, so I'm going to check that out. Hello. So we're talking with Les, Les Roberts, um, Les Roberts Hypnotherapy. Les, I'm interested to find out a little bit more about your personal journey with well-being, if that's okay. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. So we were talking there before about mental well-being. Can you tell us a little bit about your story, your personal story, and how this has led you to do greater mental well-being, you know, for you to practice within your day-to-day -day life? Mm. Um, it all started off really when I was, um, I worked for the NHS and uh, unfortunately I had a, uh, a spate of a couple of years where of illness, a few bereavements, very close bereavements as in parents and um, a lot of personal issues going on and my sickness record went through the roof and unfortunately um, I lost my job. Um, there's nothing I could do, you know, my sickness record was through the roof. But I, I worked hard, worked hard at what I did. I worked in with children, worked uh, across three disciplines, which was OT, physio and speech and language at that time. And I, I loved my job. So um, I was absolutely devastated. So my mental health started suffering an awful lot because I'd lost going to work, seeing people, being with people that I'd worked with for over 10 years. And I never dealt with the, the loss of my mum. So you can imagine that, you know, I hit that floor and I really hit that floor very, very hard. And you go to the doctors. Much of the doctors are very, very nice medication. I didn't want to take any medication because I knew it was it was going on up, up here in my head and, you know, in my, in my body as emotions. It wasn't anything else. And I had to sort of ride that storm. Um, so I started looking at what I can do for myself. Now, I was already um, going 
um, to be qualified as an NLP practitioner. So I started putting that to practice. And it works. It helped me. But it doesn't just help me because I'm starting to feel better. And I started to make those changes. It also helped my family, my children. So, you know, it, it was it was at the time it was probably one of the worst experiences that I went through. Whereas now I think if I can help somebody else through that experience, then that speaks, you know, volumes and it, it's so rewarding. Wow. I think, thank you for sharing, Les. That's, That's right. very, your personal story there. There's, I'm sure there are people listening for whom what you've explained really resonates. You know, obviously we've all got our own individual stories and our own individual takes on how we respond to things like grief respond to things like illness and kind of what's going on at work certainly for me I can really resonate in terms of losing a parent I lost my dad a few years ago and uh, yeah it's it's been a journey you know and I'm still learning about how to deal with that um yeah it just sounds as though I love the phrase that you used about riding the storm I knew I had to ride that storm and it was almost as though something in you you didn't want the medication and that's a personal choice because obviously there are times when medication can really really help people um but did you were you aware of that phrase at the time or is that sort of you looking back retrospectively now and and knowing that you were riding a storm I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is were you aware that that's what was happening for you at the time no at the time no at the time I was in metaphorically speaking in a deep dark hole mm. uh, and the more I sat in that hole, the deeper that hole became. And yes, I do understand that some people medication is for them. For me, from a personal level, it wasn't. I wanted to move forward a lot quicker and, and do something for me instead. So I decided instead of sitting in that deep dark hole that I would climb out and I literally did climb out. I had a lot of support from my family, an awful lot of support from my husband, from my children. And um, it was... It, Looking back, less it was possibly one of the hardest things I've ever, I've ever been through. But I got through. Yeah, I, I, where you said there about you know you've got this sort of this idea of, of the deep dark hole and that you you literally kind of climbed climbed your way out of there. It sounds like there was something in you, something, a flag or a message or something kind of a calling out to you that was telling you to sort of look within yourself. Yeah, also, I, I also have had, um, I've got three children and a, a wonderful husband, but I also, by that time, by the time it hit me, I also had um, a grandson as well. Wow. So oh. he gave me sort of um, that strength, that yeah. strength to pick myself up, dust myself down and get on with it because I wanted to watch him grow up. So I did. It's interesting where we kind of find our sources of inspiration and uh, and motivation in that way. So what do you, you do then? Because obviously you seem to be fantastic at supporting others with their mental well-being. And, you know, we're instilling future generations with some fantastic habits, which is wonderful. What about you? How do you sort of take care of your own mental well-being? As far as work's concerned... I have the little routine at work and when I lock my door, I leave everybody else's issues there at work. 
literally on the carpet outside my therapy room. I leave them there miraculously. They're not there the next day that I go in, but that's what I do. I leave them there. I do, um, I look after myself as in I spend a lot of time with my children, my grandchildren, my husband. I'm a little bit of a home bird, um, but I also look after uh, myself as in I go and have some hol holistic treatments with some friends. I'm also, as you can gather by now, I'm also a great talker, so I like to talk about things. Mm. So if something's bothering me, I'll just smile my husband or, you know, one of the kids or something, or get on, you know, Twitter or something to, you know, have a, have a rant about something. Mm. Um, and I, I just think that once you've released it, it doesn't matter who you've released it to or what, even if it's the teddy bear, the wall, the car, you know, once you've released it, I think that's when you can find something within you to start building that and think that's never going to happen to me again. Or if it does, I can manage it better. I love that. That, that big advocate of that. Um, I'm lucky enough that sees my business partner uh, because we, we talk all the time. If anything's bothering us, we have that opportunity to be able to speak to each other about it. But I think it's a big one that... Some people don't understand that actually just speaking it out loud, getting it out, and, and we do a lot of, of group work, group coaching with people, and I very often go, this is the place to have a rant. Mm -hmm. If you need to have a rant, get it out here, because it's a safe environment. We are not going to judge you, because, you know, people do judge, unfortunately, out there. You know, let somebody have a rant, get it out of them, because actually that's getting that emotion out as well. And you were saying before, you can ride that wave then. So as this emotion's building, they can have that rant and hopefully then, you know, th that wave will break and it'll just, fe they'll feel better. And then you're able to, then you're able to think better. You're more clear with what your thinking is and how you can move that forward once you've spoken out loud about it. It is a lot clearer. If you think, I always use the, um, uh, an explanation uh, as a boiled kettle. And I explain this to the children. If you put a lid on that kettle, it's just going to scream and scream and scream and scream, isn't it? And if you don't let any air out at all, it's going to explode. Mm. So I explain that to the children. You don't want to explode. What you need to do is you need to let that out. Even if it's just to remove yourself from the situation, go and shout at something mm. or run, you know, use that energy, you know, in other different ways apart from you know, whatever you're confronting. Mm. And then you do, you, you, you're able to take that big deep breath and think, do you know what? I'm a lot clearer now, I'm a lot calmer. Let's see what we can do about this. Yeah, very much so. I'd really like to ask, so all this that you're talking about with emotions, I mean, I would hope that people don't fit, think like this now, you know, with the age that we're in. But what if there's people out there that are thinking, well, what's the big thing with emotions? You know, just get on with it. You know, because there's going to be people out there that think like that. And that's their belief systems, isn't it? Um, like, going back to what I said before about big girls don't cry and boys don't cry. You know, you, you, you're a man, you don't cry. You're not yeah. allowed to cry, you're a man. And that's not true, but that was that stiff upper lip, wasn't it, from years and years and years ago. I'd like to think that us as generations have started to evolve and evolved into um, people where it's okay to cry, it's okay to say, listen, I'm not feeling too good, or it's okay to say, 
I'm worried. I'm worried about me. Can I have some help? Mm. And I think there's a lot of groups around, especially for men at the moment, and I, and I think they're fantastic because they help. I think as women, it's easier for us to go, listen, I'm feeling really cheesed off today, you know, like um, something's annoyed me, can I bend your ear? Mm. Whereas men don't like doing that, do they? Yeah, it is. I think that's a big one men feel like. They don't talk like we do a lot of the time. That, And I, I know I'm generalising here, but mostly women are good at, at talking about things and men not so good. But there are, there's some really good groups out there. There's Nathan, um, we had on the show a few weeks back. It's good to talk. And he's got a lot of things going on in Frodsham and Halton and uh, in the surrounding areas of just getting people to come along. And you don't have to speak, but you can just sit there and sort of take in what other people are talking about. So you know you're not on your own. And there's a group in St Helens called Him Visible that was set up. And um, it's like, it's not far from where my mum and dad live and, um, or used to live. And it's really good that these groups are set up by men so that people, you know, can go along and have these talks and understand that actually it doesn't mean anything, that it doesn't mean that they're not good or anything like that. I'm... My partner's really good at talking to me about stuff. You know, he will open up. And like you said, you've got a fantastic husband. You know, I can talk to him about things. And even if he doesn't get it, he'll just listen to me. And that's what you need very often. It's quite actually nice not being told what you need to do, but actually just having somebody to listen to you. It's really important. Well, those groups you're on about for men are really, really important because... If you don't join in, at least you do get to see that you're not on your own. And those thoughts, those feelings, those behaviours that you may have are not unique. Other people are going through the same thing. Mm. Yeah, very much so. I think that's that's such an important point that you've both raised there, just kind of showing that this is part of being a human. You know, kind of whatever gender we are, whatever position we're in, whatever our job is, you know, whatever our social situation it can come an impact on any one of us at any time. And I think falsely we kind of grow up with this idea that, oh, you know, well, you know, if I if I do this and I do that and I've got all these things in place and I'm successful or I'm doing well in life, then this stuff's not going to affect me. But I don't understand why we why we think that way, you know, kind of where that where that even comes from, because actually it'd be weird if stuff didn't affect us because then we wouldn't be being human. I think it does affect us, but I think it affects us in a completely different way. I think once you learn about your emotions and you learn how to manage, because you can't control emotions, but you can manage them. But when you start to learn to manage them effectively, I don't think they come as hard because we can recognise them a lot earlier and start to do something about them. Yeah, we we often talk about sort of regulating our emotions and working with them. You know, it's sort of rather than them happening to us. So it's sort of like you're in the driving seat a little bit more, aren't you? I do think that you have to... It sounds awful, this, um, but I do believe that you have to experience something in order to understand exactly how it affects people. Um, And if you think about our emotions throughout our life, we will go through millions and millions and millions of emotions at different levels at different strengths yet we some of us still manage to to continue 
and still managed to um, to cope. And I think it's how you um, how you face them. Like at the moment, um, because I've had you know some not very nice experiences. I think sometimes I get this uh, feeling that I say, "Come on, come on, hit me with it today. What have you got for me? What you know? What <laughs> can't I, you know I cope with today?" Yeah. And sometimes I do that. Sometimes I do feel like you know, "Come on, hit hit me with it." You know, see see if see if you're going to knock me down. Mm. And when it doesn't, I go, "Yes, do it." <laughs> I love that that you're challenging, yeah. challenging out there. It sounds like you're 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 pretty resilient. Would you describe yourself as pretty resilient? I think I have now. I am now. Mm. I wasn't. I wasn't. I am now. I think with age as well, you, you just get, like, you, you learn to just not bother with the, the little things in life that usually will get under your skin. You just think, do you know what? I'm too old for all that. I'm going to move on. <laughs> yeah, it does get a bit easier to sort of let go of stuff. Yeah. It's interesting what you were saying about having experienced um, things because and, and talking about men's health, my partner um, is somebody that he's worked in a very, I'm going to say, blokey sort of industry, um, you know, all his life. But he's such a sensitive soul, you know. But he's, and he experienced sort of anxiety and depression and lots of things sort of in that kind of vein a few years ago. And he'd said to me that prior to experiencing that, he'd have always been of the mindset of, oh, you just get on with it, you know, pull your bootstraps up. You know, you just got to, it's just life. You know, everybody's struggling. Um, and he just, it's kind of opened up a whole other world to him. And since he and I have been together, like Claire with, with her partner, we, we have a lot of conversations about this stuff. And to the point where he's even saying to me, I've got this tip for you. You know, I've got a new tip that I tried today. And he's kind of sharing things with the lads in the workshop, you know, and trying to, because they're a lot younger than him. And he's trying to sort of instill in them that it's okay to talk about stuff and, some good practices you know if they start to get a bit panicky or overwhelmed or you know even a little bit angry so but it is it is all right to talk though isn't it yeah and it's all right to talk to like i said if you don't want to talk to a person talk to your car when you're driving home or talk to yourself <laughs> or a teddy bear you know or the wall I like or, that. you know the kitchen while you're doing you know yeah. making tea it's all right to talk and it's perfectly acceptable to ask for help and i think now People, including men, are realising that when they need some help, they're actually asking for it now, which I think is great. I do. And I think, you know, we want to advocate that. And part of wanting to, us wanting to do the radio show was to, to give voice, you know, and to provide that platform and to let people out there know that, you know, you're not on your own. And that actually, if you are experiencing this stuff, then, you know, well done. Welcome to the human race. You know, <laughs> you're being a fully fledged kind of human being. As you know, um, Les, we, we, you know, 3B, our Bs are be, believe and breathe, um, you know, and they're very much our sort of foundation for how we work, how we want to live, uh, you know, and it's, it's all kind of based around our philosophy of, you know, encouraging people to be themselves, to be comfortable in their own skin, to believe in themselves and their abilities, and then, you know, as well, which really sort of sits with the, the well-being thing about having that space just for you every day to breathe. I'm just interested in, you know, kind of what you think about the three Bs and, and whether or not you find yourself bringing them into your life at all. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. Be, be yourself. 
definitely be yourself. You have to believe in what you can do. If you think of sportsmen, sportsmen don't go on like Ronaldo. We'll use Ronaldo for an example. I'm sorry, but as the only football player I could think That's of. Um, you know, um, I know well, we play about I'm sorry, but, um, <laughs> I am from Manchester originally, so you, you've got to allow you're me forgiven. That. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Ronaldo, Ronaldo goes onto the pitch, he doesn't go onto that pitch going, Oh, I might just be able to do it today, I might be able to do it. He goes on thinking, Yeah, this is my, my pitch, my goals, and I believe in myself. So, if we can take a little bit of that and start believing in ourselves, then we start believing that we can do things, we can overcome issues we can manage our emotions and yeah taking that time out for ourselves is really really important i really so agree with you i think that's a fantastic way of saying it apart from the ronaldo bit, obviously <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but we'll agree to differ on that yeah, that's a different radio show <laughs> yes completely <laughs> the um the whole premise of yeah that it's actually within you you've got to deal with it you know nobody else is going to be able to deal with it for you you need to you know, find a way that you can work from there, you know, because other people can't give you what you need. There's only you can really give you what you need. So those like strokes, that self-care that is really important. That's 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 why we're big on the breathe part. That's that take a pause. What is it that you can do to help yourself, you know, rather than not doing anything at all and hoping that other people are going to do it for you. So the kind of self-care things that you do you've already talked about you you will go um you know and have therapies with friends and things like that is there anything that you do daily that you think i i love the i loved the you're leaving your work at work and on that carpet big one for that yeah i'm the same with my office but is there anything that you think that you do on a daily basis that maybe you didn't do previously that really does help you to get into that frame of mind that you're talking about going, come on, bring it on. <laughs> you know, what are you going to hit me with today? What What is it that you do, do you think you do that helps with that? I do a lot of reflect, reflection of what I've done that day and what I could have done better. I don't beat myself up if I can't do anything better. I just think, right, next time that happens, what about, you know, doing it this way or doing it that way? But I also think um, that if you start to believe that at the end of the day, if you've done your best and you've done as much as you can that day, then you have to give yourself a pat on the back, you know, and, and think, you know, like, well done, you've got through today. Today's been an easy day or today's been particularly hard, but you've got through it, so well done. I really like that. Yeah, I like that. Because there's, there's enough out there to beat ourselves up, isn't oh, there? definitely. You know, we don't need to, as Clara says, we don't need another stick to beat ourselves with you know there's plenty of those out there so yeah we've got to be kind to ourselves that was an extract from our radio show let's talk well-being you can listen in every thursday between 12 and 2 on hcr 92.3 fm or online on hcr 923 fm.com